When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The NFL season may be over, but that doesn't mean you have to stop betting. There's plenty to wager on over at betonline.ag, including their $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest. You only need $10 to enter, but be sure to do so before March 19th. You can also bet on the NBA, the NHL, my personal favorite, NFL draft props, and so much more. Head on over to betonline.ag today and put your sports knowledge to the test. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast. Podcast. With your hosts Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner, Jake Arians here with you. On the Wednesday edition of the show, still got some recent deals to go through here, but then we're going to take a look at the free agency market, who's still out there, and the best fantasy fits for the players that are still out there. So let's clear the backlog. Let's go through some of the deals that happened uh, since we last talked, and then we will get into some of these names that are on the board. Jake, I'll start here with you. Mike Davis, the running back market continuing to move a little bit. He now finds a role in Arthur Smith's offense, signing a two-year deal to go play in Atlanta. I love it. I love what he proved last year with McCaffrey going down. I didn't think he would be involved in the passing game the way that he was. He was spectacular in that. He filled in very admirably for the best back in football, the most well-rounded back in football. I think this is a huge addition to the Falcons' backfield and pretty cheap. I mean, what, less than $3 million per for the two years? I, I think yeah, Las Vegas. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's spectacular to me. I know Jamie's going to like this, but you're getting a well-rounded guy that can do everything. The pass blocks. It's a veteran that can feel that. And I still think they're going to have to draft one, and this draft is phenomenal. But you pair a young guy with Mike Davis with what they currently have, I think they got better, and I think they got better cheaper. Yeah, I think to me the biggest thing this signals to me is that it opens up their flexibility on the sec- in the second round of the draft. Because I think there was, that was a very common landing spot for whether it was Javante Williams and Michael Carter or Kenneth Gainwell, any of that like second – I guess Williams is still part of the first tier, but the bottom of the first tier, top of the second tier type players. Like, I don't think they have to make that pick now. Now, if the board falls a certain way, you know, there is still a chance that we don't get a running back in the first round. I don't think that's likely, but it's not un- un- inconceivable – so maybe so now they're in a spot where they don't have to use that pick on somebody on a running back. They can kind of wait till either round three, early early on day three. They can maybe bring somebody in to kind of mix some carries along with Mike Davis. Uh, you know, he's been a player that I've been a fan of dating back a couple of years. I thought that he was going to get used more in Chicago. Uh, I think. By the way, I apologize. My, my girlfriend decides she wants to make tea or whatever she's making over there right as i start the podcast so. a little espresso in the morning very nice yeah it's chicago so. man you gotta have some hot tea in the morning uh, no, well it's beautiful it's like 63 today and sunny it's good it's great today but your your wardrobe wouldn't tell us that based on the the snow cap that you're wearing. i just didn't want to do my hair that, that i mean that's i mean i mean i'll just be completely honest with you i just didn't want to i just didn't want to comb my hair <laughs> it's not that it's not that i needed the extra warmth i'm fine um, but back to Mike Davis, uh, he's somebody that I think can do a little bit of everything in that offense. 
obviously there's going to be some attractiveness with Arthur Smith now being there. And maybe more importantly, Dirk Cutter not being there, who did not want to feature the running game in a traditional fashion in Atlanta, which always kind of led to these like sporadic play. Uh, I'm really intrigued by this. His fantasy value is going to depend on whether or not they bring in a rookie and how high that rookie is taken. Because if they're going to bring in a Javante Williams or a Michael Carter or somebody like that, they're more likely to get more work as the season goes on than if they're going to spend like a day three pick on more of somebody they feel can be a change of pace or a developmental guy over two or three years. Cause obviously Mike Davis isn't going to be the long-term option there, but this is a really smart signing for them position of need. You know, Atlanta's a weird team because they still have a lot of issues on the defensive side of the ball, but that offense is built to try to compete now. So they're kind of caught in between at the moment. Like I don't think they're good enough to really make a too much noise but I think they're at least going to make, try to make a run for a wild card spot, just given the age of that offensive roster and the age of the quarterback. Minus the offensive line, James. That's my, yeah. my big thing. Like, they can pass block a little bit, and they're a bunch of highly drafted guys, but they're just not a bunch of dogs. So, like, to change the scheme, to be able to run the ball there. By the way, like, they're picking, what, four? Or are they picking yeah. six? Four. Four? I don't have them taking a quarterback. I see every mock is they're no. taking a quarterback, and he's going to sit for two years when you're not very good. When you can easily trade back to 8, 9, 15, whatever, to still get a damn good defensive player, pass rusher they need drastically, it makes no sense for me whatsoever for them to be sitting at four shoes and be like, oh, we're going to take Mac Wilson or Justin Fields. And they sit – because Matt, Matt Ryan ain't going anywhere for at least two years. We know that. Unless they restructure right. that deal Again. insanely, like, Again. different. Yes. They already, re they already restructured it once to push it out another two years. And I think to your point, Jake, even at four, they might stand pat and take Penn A. Sewell. That could, be, that could be a perfect spot for him if they wanted to go the direction that you're talking about and just beef up that offensive line. They could do that. So I think the, the world is their oyster in a lot of ways of what they want to do with four. But I I'm with you, no quarterback. Uh, and, and interestingly enough, the defense played well in the second half. Two years in a it row, better as when the Raheem season. took over, the defense changed. And Dan Quinn, mm -hmm. the head coach, gets fired because of it, gets the Dallas job. When you just saw his defense do a terrible job and Raheem changed the scheme, and two years in a row down the stretch, the defense plays a lot better. To me, there, there's not a coincidence there. Right? I mean, that's – Yeah, I, I, and, and that's the thing, right? Because so, Jamie talked about they're, they're not really being that window for this team – they're good on offense, but they're not great on defense. The defense played better in the second half of last year. Again, I'm not going to say it's a top defense in the league, but it played better to where you might feel that, yeah, there's a wild card push that could be made from this team. And with the way that they've structured Matt Ryan's contract and they restructured it this offseason, they are going to have another two-year window where they're going to try yeah, to like do they this. Played, so they bring they in played a guy. harder, and they played more multiple. When you go back to Dan Quinn's background, it's Pete Carroll, Seattle. It's super simple, vanilla. We play what we play but you got to have the horses to play that. They don't have the horses to play that. Raheem blitzed more. They played a lot harder. They got a lot more done on defense, but you're right. So that window, it's a hundred percent on Julio Jones's health, Matt Ryan's health and this offensive line. If they can get some run game out of Arthur Smith, change this thing up, get some more play action shots, get a couple more weapons. They'll be able to put some points on the board to compete. I just don't know. They're going to be able to stop anybody. We're getting late in the free agency for them to make any, mm -hmm. any deals there. And they're killed against the cap. So to count on rookies like Carolina did last year, with nine new rookies on or nine new starters on defense with what four or five rookies, you're just not going to go very well. 
Right. And, and that's kind of the spot that they find themselves in to go back to Jamie's point. They're kind of in this weird middle ground that you, you're, you're trying to compete, but you're not really, you not really have a full talent roster to compete. So they're going to be a fascinating case study this year to see what Arthur Smith is able to do in year one. All right. This is an interesting move that I want to get both of your guys' thoughts on. Jamie, I'll start here with you. Uh, Matt Stafford adds another weapon to that room. Deshaun Jackson going to the Los Angeles Rams. So I love, this is one of those classic, I like it more for real life football than fantasy because he gives them a missing element in that offense. That is a speed threat down the field. Somebody that they can tease if healthy, which again is always going to be the concern, a couple deep shots a game, which I think is all you need. You have a lot of really solid underneath options in that offense. Now, obviously headlined by Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. Uh, you know, you're in a really good spot there. I love Van Jefferson a lot as well. I think he could have to take a real step forward this year as he kind of progresses up the depth chart. So you've got a lot of guys that can make an impact for Matthew Stafford in the middle of the field, but you need that like one element, you need that one element that's going to beat them deep. And they didn't really have any sort of speed threat to kind of keep, or at least an established speed threat to keep that offense or keep, excuse me, keep defenses uh, in check there. So I love his addition there. I'm not going to get excited about him for fantasy purposes. I don't think he's draftable uh, in most leagues. Uh, he's more of a somebody that I look at and I say, he'll help the offense as a whole. I think it's a small boost to Matthew Stafford just to kind of give him those opportunities that maybe opens up more things in the middle of the field for the combinations of Higby and Woods and Jefferson and Cup. But uh, for fantasy purposes, even in best ball leagues, I'm, I'm not exactly scrambling to pick up Deshaun Jackson. Agree wholeheartedly. The thing that gets me the most excited is that Sean Jackson's played with some decent quarterbacks. None of them have Matt Stafford's arm. None of them are going to have the, the rollout nakeds that they're just taking a shot on a play. And if it's not there, Stafford's going to throw it. And if, if anything, he's going to overthrow it. Uh, I will say this, Jamie. I agree wholeheartedly, fantasy wise. Somebody's going to be the idiot that drafts him, and they're going to beat your ass once in your 14 games because yep. he's going to have a 45 point. 200 yeah, yards, 134 two. It's yeah. going to happen. Mark my words now, and it's going to bite you in the ass. But for a full season, I got to see it before I'm even thinking about putting him on the waiver wire. But see, he's going to bite somebody in the ass by having a monster game. That, that we know. That, that's a very good point. You're going to get that one week where you're going to be like, you got to be kidding me, right? Deshaun Jackson, really? He, he's doing this to me? Uh, let's talk about another uh, Rams receiver, gentlemen. Not going to play for the Rams any longer. Josh Reynolds, he moves over to Tennessee. Didn't miss a game in, uh, in all four seasons that he spent with the Rams. Jake, your thoughts on this move? I like it. I think it's a phenomenal opportunity for Reynolds from real life football to step up and fill that Corey Davis role. I'm not real sure what this offense is going to look like, uh, but for a guy that's very slight of build, he's bigger than Devonta Smith, but kind of looks the same way, right? Coming out of Texas A&M, very skinny, but you just said played every game. Uh, not necessarily because they had so many receivers in that room, didn't play a ton, a ton of snaps, but the talent's there. He showed up, had some big games. I think it's a great opportunity for him to step up and be a solid number two to A.J. Brown. Uh, I don't know that I love it fantasy-wise because I don't know that he's going to have – Corey Davis wasn't great until last year. Um, and that second role in that offense hasn't been great. But I like it for him to be able to step up and kind of snatch that role and become a better player in the NFL. He's got a ton of talent. and I, That frame has scared me, but he's played through it. He's going to be one of my sleepers, I think, going into the year. Um, not somebody that, again, we're talking deeper leagues, bench option, you know, somebody that can be your, like, fifth or sixth receiver. But depending on what they end up doing in the draft, because if they bring in a receiver at 22, this, this equation is going to get thrown out the window. But you've got about 150-ish targets that are sitting vacant in the offense from last year. He's obviously not getting all of those by any means. But he could get a significant portion of that if they're not bringing in another rookie to, to complement him. 
he's had some success when he's given an opportunity to be that like top three wide receiver when either Robert Woods or Cooper Cup are out in the Rams uh, for the Rams. He was a guy that was always kind of a sneaky, solid little fantasy player. He would get you three to four catches, 40 to 50 yards, might sprinkle in a touchdown here or there. Ryan Tannehill is going to have to go to somebody else. John Drew Smith's not there anymore. Corey Davis is not there anymore. AJ Brown's going to get his, but somebody else has got to be that more of a safety blanket type of option. And that's, their safety blanket last year was weird because Corey Davis and John R. Smith are more bigger play guys than you would consider a normal quote-unquote safety blanket, but that was the way that he was used for Ryan Tannehill when they didn't, weren't able to take a deep shot to, to A.J. Brown down the field. So I'm intrigued by him. I need to see who else the Tennessee puts in there, but he's somebody that I'm kind of putting like a little bit of an asterisk by his name right now because if they don't bring in anybody else – you know, if he's able to stay healthy and you're looking at maybe like an 80-ish, 85-ish target season for him, he's going to be fantasy relevant during bye weeks, I think. Let's get to the last name here of our moves that, uh, that have been made that we want to discuss. And this one has got a little star next to it because it hasn't technically happened yet, but the expectation is that it is going to happen. James White going back to New England. Uh, Jake, James White in this offense that's been completely revamped this offseason, still going to have Cam Newton under center, but James White's fantasy relevancy now in this new-look Patriots offense? A hell of a lot less than it's been in the past. That running back room is crowded, to say the least. I love the playmaker that he is, but it was with Tom Brady and a shotgun. Cam does not check it down as much. Cam's not as accurate when he checks it down as much. Uh, and they just added a ton of weapons, they think, on the outside, and there's now a lot of mouth to feed. I'm not sure how much he's going to be on the field, even in his old role of always being in there two minute and third down. All those other guys are still there. They got younger guys. I don't know. I don't love it. I love the player in the past. He's been phenomenal. Jamie and I have been big on him as being that guy in PPR formats for a while. I just, I, I don't have the same feeling with him going back to what they have now. Yeah, I agree completely. Uh, I want really no part. Of, of James White, the reality was is his fantasy value was so tied and really had that one just absolutely phenomenal PPR season a couple years back. But a lot of it was tied to Tom Brady. And there, uh, there have been a number of studies that have been done in fantasy that shows that there's a correlation between tight end targets and running back targets, more so than running backs and receivers or running backs and, and or tight ends and receivers that typically teams that want to focus a lot on their tight ends do not tend to check down to the running backs as much. And I think if you're going to buy into them using Hunter Henry as their more intermediate option, John U. Smith as a run after catch, bigger play tight end, they're going to use those more two tight end sets. I don't know where, I think they're going to use a more traditional style running game than they're going to use with James White being there a lot of times in a two minute drill. Cam Newton didn't use him as much in, as a check down option last year as we have seen, or anywhere near as much as we've seen Tom Brady use him in the past. I'm still not bought into Cam Newton really taking some big step forward again this year uh, coming off of last season where he was no. absolutely dreadful as a passer. Uh, you know, he had some fantasy value from time to time because of the, the high volume of rushing touchdowns, but as a passer, he was dreadful. Uh, so to me, I just want no part of it. I want no part of Like usual, I want no part of the Patriots backfield. It used to be the Deion Lewis's, the James White's of the world could be those fantasy value because people would overlook them as PPR was starting to become more popular and people weren't really drafting in the mindset of who's ca who are pass-catching running backs, we are well into the PPR craze at this point. You're not going to catch anybody by surprise, and I just don't think the volume is going to be there. I'm, I'm with Jake. He's, you know, he's someone to me I think you just leave on the waiver wire, to be perfectly honest with you, unless you're in a really, yeah. really deep league. 
All right, so that's the recent deals that we wanted to get into. Now let's go to the list of guys that are still available, and we have a lengthy list. We might not get to all of them here on the show today. Guys, I want to start with two wide receivers that I think are very interesting, and I'm surprised that they're still out there in free agency. The first one is a TDN fantasy favorite. He's a guy we talk about all the time on this show. Thank you, Jake. Yes, T.Y. Hilton is who we are going to discuss next. And, and the other reason why I think I want to bring this up, guys, is – I'm surprised he just hasn't re-signed in Indy yet. We kind of all three of us were in unison that that was going to be the landing spot. Oh, he'll just go back to Indy, maybe sign a one-year deal. Here we sit, Jake, end of March, T.Y. Hilton's still out there. What's taking so long? He's a pro's pro. We're, we're talking him really at what, a week, 10 days into this thing? I mean, I, I, he gets it. I, I think it all points towards being a one-year deal somewhere, which we talked about. And with Juju's money – it might not be for that much, but a one-year deal to prove that he finished, he could play a season like he finished last year and not the way that he started last year. Uh, they were throwing it a ton. He wasn't involved till like week 10. So grandma told him it didn't look the same. And he turned it on. He played really well down the stretch, uh, as our girl Paige likes to say with the grandma quote. Um, I feel fine with it. I don't really care where he ends up because T.Y. is a pro that runs every route in a route tree. He's going to fit in wherever he goes. Extremely smart guy. Fit in perfectly as a rookie and then never really look back. Uh, I'd love to see him back there. I'd love to see Wentz have another true pro veteran receiver. Uh, and I think that's probably still the best landing spot, but I don't really care where he ends up. I'm going to have my eye on him in fantasy. Unless it's, even if it's Detroit, I wouldn't hate it. He'd be the number one there. He'd be the number one. Yeah. Uh, and Matt Stafford could throw a damn slant and some other stuff that TY runs really well. I, I wouldn't hate that. I'm going to have my eye on him no matter where he is, but it's going to be value later on. I think he has, a, I think he has a good bounce back season on a one-year deal and then looks to re-sign somewhere else. Yeah, I, I, that's where I'm expecting for him as well. And I, I do think Indianapolis is still the best landing spot for him. And he seems to be getting heavily recruited by all of his former teammates, uh, if you've been watching the social media sphere. So I do think he ends up back there. And if not, that wide receiver becomes a, a need for Indianapolis. I mean, this is one of those ones where we're kind of sitting here, sitting here. I know they hosted Sammy Watkins, but uh, you know, I, I think T.Y. having another year there would be, would be beneficial for both the Colts and himself. He's not the same T.Y. as he was a couple years ago. I know he was, you know, I would eat some crow on him. He was a big sleeper of mine. I thought he could be a wide receiver two value last year. Didn't really get into the groove until late in the season when he kind of finally started to come on. But I still think he's a guy that's going to have some fantasy relevancy as a top of your bench type of a guy if he ends up there. Uh, or if he ends up in another place that could use a veteran presence, it might be for less money. But if you go to like a Green Bay, for example, or a Kansas City, you know, those become really, really interesting options for him as well. Uh, but to me, I think the best spot for him from a football standpoint and even for a fantasy football standpoint would be Indianapolis because he could still be the wide receiver one there. He does the things that, you know, uh, that uh, Pittman doesn't quite do. Like they need some – like that Colts offense is in a weird kind of spot when, when it comes to playmakers. They've got a loaded backfield. But if T.Y. is gone, like I'm not exactly in love with a bunch of their pass catchers right now. Can I throw out a spot? That potentially could be. We know that they made an offer to Juju. Do, do, does Baltimore call up T.Y. Hilton? And what would he look I don't like, like in that there. offense? I actually yeah. don't. We'll talk about another name on this list I think would be a better fit for them. But I, okay. I don't. Like, look, they can use like, – they need all the help they can get at wide receiver. Well, right, that's why think, I'm bringing it up. I just don't think he's – to me, I think you need a more guy that's going to dominate in the, the, the short to intermediate areas of the field. I think that's what – He stays need. outside, right? I mean, yeah. You need a guy that's bigger, more physical, and that offense is going to block. That's not T.Y. Yeah. 
Let's talk about, uh, Jamie, you mentioned the other wide receiver that I was going to mention here off the top because he visited with Indianapolis. That is Sammy Watkins, uh, free agent, formerly of the Kansas City Chiefs. He's Don't care. Out there. Don't care. Jamie, I'll, so, so Jamie, I'll go to you first no, on this skip. one then. Look, is Sammy Watkins ever going to be in a better situation than he was in for the last five years? No. Did no. he do anything while he was there other than Jamie and I fight? Like, is he worth putting on your bench this week? Yes, no, no, yes, no. I'm hurt all the time. Skip. He's irrelevant. I, it doesn't matter where he goes. It's not going to be anywhere near the same situation. He can't stay healthy. Yeah, just that, that's cautionary tale not to buy into the hype wherever he goes. Um, I do think Baltimore would be a good spot for him. Um, but I also think, I mean, fantasy-wise, it's not going to, I don't think it's going to matter. Like, I, honestly, like, I'm not going to, he, has, he is one of those guys that's going to have to be, show it to me a lot before I ever buy back in. Like, he's just, it's just one of those players where I understand what the physical tools are. I understand what we thought Sammy Watkins was coming out of college. But until I actually see it on a consistent week-in and week-out basis, I'm not going to buy into the hype. So uh, I do think Baltimore would be a good spot for him. If Indy doesn't bring back T.Y., they need another option there. But I, I don't, I'm not going to prioritize drafting Sammy Watkins. I just, I just, what are you going to get? Nothing. Yeah. Skip. Okay, I'll move Skip. on. I got it. I, I got the memo here. Uh, two more wide receivers. Uh, actually, three more wide receivers. Uh, Antonio Brown, uh, I think is, it's fair to say that, that, that Tampa is probably the likely destination, probably his best yeah. fit uh, as we sit here today. We just kind of wait to see if that ultimately I'm on happens. the record of saying that if Antonio Brown winds back up in, in Tampa Bay, I am very, very intrigued by his fantasy value, and that's going to be a player I think goes undervalued uh, because of all of the other options they have there, but you know, he was a guy late in the season that was number two on the team in targets. Like Tom Brady likes him. He's still, he's not the Antonio Brown of a few years ago, but he's still pretty damn good. If he stays in that ecosystem, I think he can have some success. If he steps outside of it, not touching him. I'm just not. I agree wholeheartedly. I would expect him back. Uh, it's just the perfect, in- exactly like it was last year we talked about, perfect insurance policy for them, except for the fact that he got better the more his legs got under him. The more he played, the faster he looked, the more acclimated he got to that offense, the more chemistry he had with Tom Brady. Uh, and I agree with Jamie. And the other two guys, and Mike and Chris, we love, but they haven't been healthy for a full season. And he plays both those positions. And I don't think you have a ton of drop-off from either guy if AB is taking their spot. Danny Amendola and Adam Humphreys are the last two names on my list here, Jamie. Of these two guys, which one do you do you like more and, and some fits for either? Because they're kind of just the same guy, different ages. Um, you know, Adam Humphreys is a guy that I – I like what he could end up being, but the, the sustained injury history with him is something you just have to kind of keep an eye on. Um, you know, he signed that very – it's funny because you go back and do the butterfly effect here. He signs that very lucrative deal that was I thought was insane at the time that Tennessee handed him, which allowed Chris Godwin to really come up and blossom in Tampa Bay. Uh, so kind of thinking back to all that, that fun history there. You know, I think these are two guys that I, I could see being later in the offseason types of signings. Um, to me, there's not really like a, an exact fit for either of them. They're, they're going to play a very specialized role for a team. That some of them might play on special teams a little bit here and there, but I think it's more of like you're playing for that typical, we need some slot help. They're, I mean, in full PPR, they'll be waiver priority guys certain weeks and certain matchups during bye weeks if they get hot. Like we've seen Danny Amendola have three, four, five-week stretches where you can kind of put up those, you know, flirt with that 10, 11-point range. But, you know, those are guys that if somebody gets hurt or they go somewhere that doesn't have a lot of other receiving options and they might get more of an opportunity, uh, like a Detroit or something, like if, if Amendola somehow ended up back there, I'd be somewhat interested. But I, 
to me, I just kind of shrug. I think they're just guys at this point, and there's so many quality receivers out there and another handful that are coming into the league. I just Only if you're in the really deepest of leagues are they going to really be a factor for you. Yeah, fantasy-wise, I'm kind of blah, but I got a landing spot for both that I'd like to see for real-life football. I'd love to see Amendola back with Stafford in L.A. And not really to do anything other than just kind of have some packages and they have some chemistry. Yeah. And if you have something happen to either one of those guys that plays in the slot now, would those guys move all over the place? But Amendola could really take a slot role and kind of just be another veteran receiver. I think they could get cheap. And another team in L.A., I'd love to see Humphreys with Herbert and have a true a slot one. guy if he can stay healthy. Because if they do add Pitts or somebody else, they need some weapons we talked about. But I'd love to have him see a true slot guy that can meet beat zone, get open on those short – I think it would be huge for his progression as a quarterback to have a guy on third and four that he knows he can go to if Humphreys can stay healthy. Well, Jake, I would add to that, if, if Humphreys did end up in L.A., I think his fantasy value goes up a little bit just because we yeah. there's not a lot of options there in L.A. Yeah. for Herbert to go to. So I think that landing spot would be would, – would Not certainly, yet. Would certainly not upgrade yet. His, his stock a little bit. I mean, bit. That, that's another spot you can see T.Y. You can sure. see some of these guys we're talking yeah. about. And then all of a sudden, okay, they've been a little slow, but there's still some guys left out there. Uh, three running backs to close out the show here that we want to discuss their best fits. Let's start guys with James Conner and Jamie, I'll poise the question to you here. It doesn't look as if there's a reunion brewing in Pittsburgh. Although to me, I, I, I don't know if that's an offense I would want to go back to with the way that it looked at the end of last year. Well, I don't know how much of a choice you're going to have. Uh, they're not really many. Look, mm -hmm. I, I don't think James Conner at this point, or really any of the guys that we're going to end up talking about are going to be featured backs of like, you're going to be the guy you're coming in. You're going to play the majority of the snaps. Connor's tough as hell, but that injury history has is catching up to him and it's been frequent. And he had that great, that great season when the Le'Veon Bell surprise sit out year happened and everybody got him late and he was phenomenal, but the injuries have caught up to him a lot. You know, from a – I do think Pittsburgh's probably the best spot for him because it'll give him the best chance to actually put up fantasy production while he is healthy because you've got, what, Benny Snell, Anthony McFarland. They don't have a piece there right now. They have a lot of holes on the offensive line they have to fill. They now have some holes on defense. Them not I, – I don't know if they can really justify spending a day one or day two pick on a running back. I really don't think that they can given all the other holes they have on their roster. So if they're able to come, if he's able to sign back there cheap, he's still going to get a lot of work. You know, he's not going to, you're not going to get 16 games or 17 games out of him, but he's still going to get a lot of work. He still will probably flirt with being a flex caliber player while he's active just because of the amount of work he'll get. But I don't really see another spot where he goes, where he's going to get that much work. You think of some of the other like RB needy teams. Like, I don't think he needs to like Miami doesn't seem like a fit to me. You already, you've got a cheaper option already in Brown and they might draft somebody. You know, Atlanta doesn't need to they, – they don't need to use him as a compliment now. You know, Denver's got Melvin Gordon at the top. Buffalo, this is not the type of a back that Buffalo would want to compliment what they've already have there. I, I don't think he's going to Arizona. So, like, where is there – there's really no other spot other than Pittsburgh where I think he's going to go and be fantasy relevant absent an injury to a starter. I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, I think he is the starter if he goes back to Pittsburgh, and I think it's a split time regardless if he's healthy or not. But I think it's the best landing spot for him. Next running back up on the list, Le'Veon Bell. And, and Jake, he, he goes to Kansas City. Yeah, Jake, thank you. I, I, you know what? That's fair. If you can't see, We're but shrugging. Jamie and Jake both podcast, just shrugged. But... And that's, that's the best way I can set this up. Because he went to Kansas City. We thought, oh, he might be able to find a role in that offense. And I'm still waiting to see him find a role in that offense. Is there anything left in the tank? Is there a team that's, that 
that he fits at this stage of his career. And I go back to what we just did and just shrug and say, I don't know. I mean, look, he, he's basically LaShawn McCoy at this point. LaShawn McCoy for two years there had a couple games where he helped out and won two Super Bowls, but didn't really do a whole lot. Like we were expecting to see some flashes of Le'Veon Bell that would make him some money that somebody would jump on in a minute. I can see Miami wanting to do it. I can see, I think he still fits in Buffalo. I said last year I thought the best place was Buffalo before he went to Kansas City. And if he doesn't have anything, at this point he's not going to be expensive. But he can catch it. He can run it. He can fill in. Even if he's 80% of what he was, which is what he looks to be, I still think Buffalo is probably the best landing spot, even if they do draft one. They're still adding to that room, and they're trying to make a run. So adding a veteran guy that can fill in. Singletary is a damn good pass catching back. I like what, they're, what they have going on there, but I think he's kind of the only guy that could do both and fill in admirably. I think that's probably the best spot for him for the right price for them. Yeah, Buffalo was the team I had circled here. They, they, kind of, they need a primary pass catcher. Um, you know, I know there's been some momentum with them taking one at 30 in the draft. I don't, we'll see who's there, but uh, I think this would be – you're never going to get him cheaper, I, I don't think. I mean, coming off of whatever this run was. Now, they're, I don't know what back we're getting. Uh, I have a lot of concerns about what I saw, how little he was used, and quite frankly, his postseason comments about, I just went to Kansas City because I knew I wasn't going to get to work much, which was a very strange thing to say out loud. Uh, After you sat out a year? Yeah. Like, how I, much damn I work do you want off? I, I, I don't get it. Um, so he's somebody that I'm all the way off on now. Uh, I'm just, I don't really care where he is. He's somebody that I'll keep an eye on where he lands for a possible handcuff if something happens. Because like Buffalo's not going to run the ball that much anyway. So, I mean, things get interesting if one of their backs get hurt and Le'Veon Bell is out on the field a lot because then, then he can get, be that check down option for them because you're just going to throw it a ton. But I'm, uh, don't buy into the name value here. I'm just not, I'm just I not like him there, Jamie. That, that's interesting to me because I was just about to say when I watched him last year, that running style, that pause and explode through the hole. The explosion wasn't there. Yeah. The style was – the pause was still there, but he couldn't explode through there. But what I did see was he catches it really well. So if there is an injury there to Singletary and he steps into that role, then I think he's damn sure fantasy relevant because they're going to throw it 50 times a game. And Josh Allen was getting smarter and smarter and smarter the longer he plays about dumping it down and taking first downs. I think there could definitely be a role there, but he was sitting wait. Last name on our list, and Jamie, I'll go to you here first. Leonard Fournette, Lombardi, Lenny. Uh, Tampa Bay, question mark? Yeah, I think that would be the best spot for him to go back. Just comfortability there. The way he played late, late in the year, it was pretty fantasy relevant at times. Um, and then obviously most people weren't playing fantasy once the postseason got there, but obviously had a really strong run there as well. Again, even if he leaves Tampa Bay, he's not going anywhere else to be the quote-unquote lead back and going to get 25 touches a game or anything like that. So I want to go to a high-powered offense that's used to using him. Uh, Bruce Arians trusts him. I mean, he was in the game a lot, and a lot of situations was a huge part of their postseason run uh last year i think that would be the best landing spot for him i'd be if he left i'd be intrigued by you know maybe arizona but i still think tampa bay is the best spot for him arizona would be interesting i, I agree i think i think he ends up back in tampa i'm, I'm kind of shocked the way that he played that i think his past is still following him a little bit i thought he outplayed the narrative of what lenny was before lombardi and playoff lenny uh, and he filled in phenomenally when ronald jones went down and they had to lean on a guy they went into a couple of those games with like Two and a half backs. When I say half, LaShawn McCoy wasn't giving you too much, and another one was a rookie. I mean, Lombardi Lenny took it over and was damn good. I thought he outplayed the, the former narrative, at least in my eyes. And I know nobody's been more critical of him than me. Uh, he definitely changed who he is to me, the way he played down the stretch. Now, are you going to get that in the regular season? I don't know, but you still got Ronald Jones if you're Tampa. 
If you bring that entire backfield back, and Keyshawn Vaughn has an offseason to get a little more acclimated, they really liked him. He just never had a chance. And when he did, he didn't do a lot. Uh, I like him there, especially everybody's going to be strapped on the cap. So if you can get him back cheap and A.B. back cheap, and you just won the Super Bowl with that team, I like it. But it's going to be a split because Ronald Jones is damn sure still a thing. Which one starts? Which one has a role? Is Lenny playing third down? Is he the third down back and Ronald Jones is first and second? Are they alternating series like you saw at times this year? I think that's going to be exactly the case. So I don't know what you're going to get, but there's going to be games where he's going to be really re- relevant fantasy squads. Yeah, it's going to be a fantasy nightmare again. Just for, yes. for, you know, yes. frankly. Exactly. It's, it's going to be a nightmare exactly. for fan- fantasy managers to try to like navigate on a weekly basis. But I think he will get uh, overdrafted in fantasy because if he goes back to yes. the way that he played the playoffs game, I think Ronald Jones could be very valuable for somebody later on. Jimmy, you stole my thunder uh, because Arizona was a team I was going to throw out there because they are looking for a a complimentary piece to Chase Edmonds, who I think they're going to try to give a lot of the workload to, but they're going to need a power back on third down, on third and short, fourth and short, they can give the ball to. And Leonard Fournette really fits that kind of archetype of a running back. Um, What we'll see, I ultimately lean towards him just going back to Tampa Bay at this point. Because, Jake, I I agree with you. I thought with the way that he played in the playoffs in the Super Bowl that somebody would be like, oh, we got to have that guy on our team. And it just didn't really happen. And, 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 yes, to your point earlier in the show, we are only a week into free agency or so. But I thought for sure he would have, he would have come off the board by now and somebody would have signed him, and, and yet here, here he is. You heard there. the rumors for Seattle and a couple other teams. Uh, New England was one. New England, I didn't think was a good fit. They're just, that's just super crowded backfield. But, you know, it sounded like they were, the way they were spending money, because Tampa, they, they know what they have, but they only have so much money. They had to get the rest of these guys done. There's only so much left. Uh, I, it wouldn't surprise me if Arizona gave him more money to come out here and do that and, and take off of that success. They're big on – the name value, I think. So Arizona still makes sense if, if Tampa doesn't get something done pretty soon. That's it for us here on the show. Uh, Jamie, I'll go to you here first for final thoughts as we wrap up another week here. Uh, my final thoughts are that it, it's amazing how quickly the free agent structure and free agency goes now. Uh, because of the two-day legal tampering period, because of all these de- deals that are announced, you get to the first weekend past free agency, and all of a sudden – almost all the momentum is over. Like you've all, all the big names have agreed. I mean, you have all these deals done and it, it is to Jake's point. We got to realize the free agency has been open technically a week. Uh, literally not even a full week as we're recording this. We're like a f- three hours short of a full week since free agency opened. Um, so it, it's something that is, you know, it, it, it's going to be interesting to watch how these last little bit plays out because there are still some fantasy relevant names. There's still going to be some significant signings that happen now. There's still going to be some significant signings that happen after their injuries in training camp and in the preseason and all this other stuff that's happening. There will still be impactful free agents for fantasy that sign between now and week one of the season. So don't kind of lose focus just because most of the big names are off the board. Uh, but that's the biggest one for me. And to me, the one I have an eye on overall right now, heading into the draft and heading into this like back part of the free agency cycle, as weird as it is to say only a week in, is that Arizona backfield that we're talked about? Uh, Steve Kine spoke very highly recently of Chase Edmonds, and I think we're going to do uh, a sh- we're going to do some shows in the offseason evaluating teams and other situations. But that one is really intriguing to me because Chase Edmonds has kind of been on the precipice of kind of making this breakout here. There's been a few different coaching staffs around him that have all liked him and liked his game. He started to get a significant workload at times last year, but do we think he can be the guy? Will they bring in somebody else, a veteran, to be that guy? Will they draft somebody to split time with him? Will they draft somebody early? Or will they bring in somebody like a Ramondre Stevenson a little bit later 
and work a few carries here or there as a change of pace type of option. Like there are a lot of really interesting individual situations now that we can start to evaluate as some of these free agent dominoes have fallen. So that's, that's really what I'm looking forward to now is we have now most of these big names, most of the starting caliber fantasy type players are off the board now. And I imagine by the time we get back next week, almost all of them will be accounted for. It's going to get really interesting now to evaluate where the real draft needs are and where some of the values could end up being because everyone expected these t- team X or team Y to sign this player. And then they didn't. So now who's left for them? And I think that's going to be a really intriguing process as we get through the rest of the off season. Jake, your final thoughts. Jamie, our boy Stevenson is interesting there. It'd be interesting to see how many teams don't red flag it. Cause I've talked yeah. to a bunch that have already uh, for the off the field stuff, but man, we, that's like beast mode junior. I, I love that dude. Your boy Rondell Moore, I wanted to mention, Jamie, had a hell of a day yesterday. He did. 429, 39 and a half. Now he's only 5'7. He looked like Mighty Mouse doing it. But what, 42 and a half on the vert? What, what 10 1 broad jump at 5'7? He didn't do a bench, but he did like 20 a video of him doing 20 at 20 and 225. Yeah. And then the ran 429. He's healthy, uh, man. He's going to be a Somebody's going to play her, and that Mighty Mouse body fits with some teams, man. That's, I, to me, that was what he needed to do. That was a big day. The other big news, and it's going to lead to some very interesting stuff, is the NFL signing the deal with the TV, TV networks, right? So we have 11 years, $120 million done. Now, the way the NFL put it out, on the back of having a 10-year collective bargaining agreement done, we now have this, right? That's big news, except for the fact that the players broke that last year twice with COVID, and the owners let it happen. I think the power shifts back to the owners now that the TV contract is done, that they're not going to give as much back. Because right now, we're getting close to April 1. Teams are supposed to be reporting back. The league year starts. Guys are back in the offseason. We don't have that agreement at this point. So while we're talking about some of these teams having offseasons, right, and how important that is, is that going to start May 1st? Is that going to be June, and then we break and you come back for training camp? The players, I've heard, want to do what they did last year, and that's come back in shorts for two weeks. OTAs for a week, training camp starts, and you go straight through, and there is no offseason before, like, July. I cannot imagine the owners letting that happen again or the coaches not going to the owners to let that happen. So, to me, that's a huge piece of news that I haven't heard enough people talk about because it really brings the collective bargaining agreement back into play. And what is it? What is our offseason going to look like? It's vital to the league. It's vital to a bunch of teams. And it'll be really interesting to see what happens with that. That coming off the heels of them making the announcement that they're going to have the draft in person in Cleveland and the mad dash that the next month is going to be for the NFL to try to put that together. So, yes, there's a lot of craziness going on uh, behind the scenes. Uh, that, speaking of that TV deal, my final thought, flexing Monday night football games, multiple double headers on Monday night during the season. It, it's like they've heard all of the calls and the tweets over the years, and they've finally ge- given us what we've Finally being a little bit more proactive. Yes, yes, absolutely, uh, Chris. I'm been, so glad you brought that up. That was so important, and I'm, and I'm hoping the TV networks fought for that as hard as the NFL fought to make that happen because Monday Night Football so often for me has been – like I watch it for my job and I love football, but there are a lot of times where I'm like, boy, I just watched a hell of a week of football, and I'm watching the Giants play, you know, Jacksonville on Monday Night Football, like why, which we, like at no point was this conceivably going to be a matchup where people wanted to watch it unless you, you have specific fantasy players. That's how you get, keep people dialed in all week. Keep them dialed in with the best matchups possible because you're going to know weeks in advance. I know they're not going to be able to flex the early season Monday games. Yeah, week 12 once you get late in the starts. season, you're going to know. You don't know what yeah. teams matter. You're not going to know what players matter. 
and get some of these teams that don't need to be there that aren't as exciting, make Monday night football matter. Cause when I was growing up and I know it had to be even more when Jake was growing up, Monday night football was like the biggest deal. And now it kind of feels like it's so secondary to the Sunday night games. It's secondary to sometimes even the Thursday night game. Cause that's the start of the week. And we're like, all right, it's our first chance to see it again since Monday, like Monday night football kind of felt like the, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to it when we get to it. Or if there's a really fun matchup, we'll watch. And I, I hate feeling that. Like, I want Monday Night Football to feel like a must-see event again. And this will help that, that, that happen. Might be the reason that it's on ESPN. Mm-hmm. So we have that to look forward to for next season. Uh, that's going to do it for us here on the show. Jamie, social media accounts where everybody can follow you. You can follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter, and I've been asked to change my Yeah, what my is Instagram this? Handle. Can we talk about I was this? Asked. In the I middle of the day to. yesterday, it changed. I was forced. What is that, what is that I was, about? I was coerced. No, I, I was told that I should try to make it more in line with my Twitter. So uh, it's Jamie Eisner on Twitter and Jamie Eisner TDN on Instagram, because for whatever reason, my name was not available. All right. Well, there, there you have it. So it's no so longer Jamie Eisner whatever, TDN. Whatever Just search Jamie Eisner on Instagram. You'll, you'll see me. Okay. There you go. Jake, your social media handles? Jake B. Arians on Twitter and Arians NFL on Instagram. See, it was just easy. Jake just has the two set up and they're ready to go. Jamie, you yesterday just all of a sudden decided to change. I, it wasn't my choice. I mean, it's your Instagram page. You should have went with the Eisner board. I mean, it's your Instagram page. You don't have any say in the matter? I, I did, but I mean, like, I you was... You didn't fight you strongly pick, enough for Chris, it. you gotta learn in life, you gotta pick your battles. Uh, yeah, yeah, you, you didn't pick this one. You did not pick this I was battle. like, this you, wasn't one I was gonna, wasn't gonna die on this hill. You can follow like, whatever. me. You can follow me I didn't want to change my... My choice was either change my, like, Twitter, which I did not no, want to do. No, no, don't do that. So, uh, that's always uh, a bad thing. I, I will... So, yes, yeah, so you can follow me at uh, J, uh, Jamie Eisner TDN, which is, is a nice little compliment to the show a lot of times, because I'll put up posts relating to the show or and ask specific questions about players like Rondo Moore was my post yesterday, which sparked some good conversation in the comments. So. Very good. Very good. Very good. You can follow me on Twitter at shoe radio, S C H U radio. You can follow the show on Twitter at T D N fantasy. And as always, all of the draft and fantasy content over at the Everybody have a good weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.